Hi there, we really hope you enjoy this teaching from the Message Trust. To find out more about all the exciting things we're doing, check out our website, message.org.uk. So, if you've got a Bible, turn with me to Isaiah 35. I told you we'd be accelerating through Isaiah. Um, and uh, we're looking at Isaiah 35 today. Um, Basically, the last few chapters of Isaiah, like much of Isaiah, actually involves some very, very severe warnings of judgment. Uh, of course, God brings these warnings, not because he wants to judge people, because he doesn't want to judge people. He wants to save people. But uh, why did Jesus speak so much about hell? More about hell than he did about heaven. Basically, because he didn't want anyone to go there. And in the midst of these severe warnings are brilliant shafts of light. But we don't see the light bright enough unless we see it alongside the darkness. We don't see heaven clear enough unless we've got a picture of hell. We don't see the, how great our salvation is until we realize how fearful judgment is. Do you understand what I'm saying? And there is a move in the church at the moment. I think it's a scary move to play down the judgment of God. And as we do, I believe we play down the power of the cross. That's how scary. That is what's at stake here. Listen to this. I was reading this in a commentary yesterday. Um, Barry Webb. We, of course, would like to have only one of these realities. Blessing without curse. Salvation without judgment. Heaven without hell. And we're always in danger of rewriting the rules, so to speak, to suit our own in inclinations. But the biblical revelation has a stubborn shape, and it resists all manipulation of this kind. It forces us to have a decision. We must have it as it, hit, as it is, or not have it at all. Accept it, or make up our own religion. No quarter is given, either by the biblical writers or by Jesus himself. On the last day, some will go to eternal punishment, and some to eternal life. This is big, what we're talking about here. The Bible has some terrible warnings about judgment and hell. He wants to talk about that. But unless we warn people, they won't realize what they face unless they discover the only way out of hell and judgment through Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? In the midst of all this scary talk of judgment, and we've looked at it some of the weeks here on a Tuesday morning, in the midst of all this scary talk, suddenly there's this incredible shaft of light, one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible, Isaiah 35, because this is what God's plan is for every person he's ever made. This is what's available to everybody who, who who's God's ever made. This is what we present in schools and tough communities and prisons. We present this incredible salvation picture. It's a foretaste of Christ 600 and odd years before he walked on this earth. It's what Jesus can only do. And I want to present you from Isaiah 35, six things from this chapter that Jesus can do. And six things that only Jesus can do. First thing is that, is it going to work my PowerPoint today? You're joking. Julia spent such a long time on that yesterday as well. How tragic is that? Oh, well. Okay, so in that case, I definitely need to have your Bibles. Um, the first thing is that empty people become full people. Listen to this. The, the, and listen, tell me if this isn't a message trust scripture. 
The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will greatly rejoice and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord and the splendor of our God. What a revival picture, don't you think? Oh, I had a picture up there on my PowerPoint of Michael and Sienna's wedding from Saturday, and lots of us were involved in that. It was a picture of empty people becoming full people. Uh, I was just shocked to hear the stories of Michael, our lovely, sweet, gentle Irish brother, and his family telling us what a crazy guy he was, what a madman he was, who just went around nicking off everybody, violent, dangerous. I mean, I've heard Michael say this in public, but you couldn't imagine it, could you? And that they all said, yet he met Jesus in prison and came out a completely different man. An empty person. He was suicidal, I think. And his cousin who was in prison with him, who he's now led to Christ, and we baptized a couple of weeks ago at Ivy, his cousin said, we couldn't believe the change in this family. And the whole family was just talking about an empty life becoming a full life. Don't you love that? And there's his lovely wife, Sienna, who, who they were going out for a week. And then Michael went to prison for three and a half years and she waited for him. And all the family saying, what's you doing with that jailbird, Sienna? And, but she fell in love with this guy and she waited for three and a half years. And, and the Lord saw her heart and out of prison comes this completely different man who leads her to Christ. And then there were two of Michael's cousins who've come to Christ and been baptized now, all, all, all that needs to happen is, if we would do what Michael's doing, the world would be saved. Yeah. Basically, if we would just get it, he's been a Christian like 18 months, and one by one, he's leading his, everybody he knows to Jesus, and he's witnessing. And there was this beautiful moment where we had the first dance, and uh, Irish traveler weddings are quite something, so he couldn't really get anywhere near because a dress was about the size of this room. But Michael sort of leaning over this incredible dress. And the first dance, which is normally, you know, three times a lady or something or whatever, this dance was this reggae song, which was basically, I just surrender all to Jesus. Our lives are for you, Lord. And the smooching around the dance floor with this worship song saying, everything's about you, Lord. Fill this place with your presence. Fill our lives with your love. I'm like, go on, my son. And Michael had said, uh, we don't do speeches, Andy. <laughs> and I said, Mike, maybe you could just say a little thank you and just say a little bit of nice stuff about Sienna. And he did say that, but he also said a whole lot of nice stuff about Jesus Christ, about how his empty life had become a full life. Everywhere around Jesus, this happened. Whenever Jesus starts to move, it's what happens People whose lives could be described by desert, parched, wildernesses, blossom when he's around. Don't you love him? It's our gospel. It's only him who can do that. When Jesus is around, the second thing that happens, verse 3, is weak people become strong people. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. The first place is when you're really scared that it shows is in your hands. <laughs> you ever been in that situation? And if things get really scary, in your knees. <laughs> it's a picture of weak people becoming strong people. Ever feel weak? Do you ever feel weak? Do you ever feel a little bit useless? Do you ever feel a little bit small? Well, good. 
Because here's a wonderful scripture for you. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 8 and 9 and 10. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. Do you get it? It's okay to feel weak. Because strength is not about what we have. It's about, what, about who we have. And we have the living God inside us. I remember being there. You know, Mick Wood had talked about that address I did at Parliament. I'll never forget, you know, all these MPs. I'm sat next to the speaker and all these big business leaders. And I've got me taught there. And I'm, I'm, I had this little voice in my head. That's pathetic. And these people are so clever. And you're taught the Bible works, Jesus works. Oh, you know, and I'm like, just like about to scrub it and think, oh, God, just give me something a bit more clever. I'm so pathetic in this situation, and these people are so wise, and, and yet, and I felt, no, stuff it. <laughs> this is all I've got. I'm a simple, weak guy, but I've got a message that can change lives. And when God gets hold of an ordinary person and he's in them, the weak become strong. The third thing from Isaiah 35 is fearful people become faith filled people. Say to those fearful hearts, verse 4, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Does it say your God might come? No, it says your God will come. He will come. Can we just do all we can, people, to remove the virus of fear that inflicts so many Christian lives and so many ministries? So many churches holds us back from all we're meant to become. Nothing is impossible for the people who have faith. Something's got to happen when there's a group of people who've got faith in Christ. Because God will move on their behalf. Forgive me if you've heard me say this before, but for a long time, I used to teach in, uh, in genetic. And one of my standard talks was, faith is spelled R-A-S-K. Maybe you heard me say this think it bears repeating and I nicked it off John Wimber faith is spelt risk faith is a risk thing there must be a risk about our ministry and Colette said to me yesterday I've just got such faith can we just double our turnover should we go for she said to me I love having an accountant finance director like this should we just go for eight million next year she said you know because our turnover is four million I'm like well yes that sounds good Colette but faith is spelt R-A-S-K but it's also, shortly after doing that talk in genetic, I heard Mike Breen say to me, faith is spelt S-U-R-E. And I heard this talk Mike did about faith is spelt S-U-R-E. Sure, because faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain what we don't see. There's a, a surety about faith. So I went away from that uh, meeting, hearing Mike Breen do this address, faith is spelt S-U-R-E, thinking, oh, no, flipping heck, I've been teaching the wrong thing for the last 10 years. Is it R-A-S-K or is it S-U-R-E? Well, you know what the answer is, don't you? It's both. Faith is spelled R-A-S-K, but it's not a license to be an idiot to go out tomorrow and double your turnover unless you've got God's sure and certain word. 
unless you spend your time seeking him in, in the prayer room. I can't book Old Trafford tomorrow and say, God, fill it. I've got to seek the Lord and find his strategy, find his way. But when I've, when I've discovered the sure and certain word of God, I better take some risks. I better remove the virus of fear and step out in faith because it's only faith-filled people who've changed the world and it only ever will be. Fearful people just curl up in a corner and do nothing. Faithful people get on with it and step out. The people who should be afraid is not us. If you're feeling fear of finances, fear of the future, fear of your health, Fear of relationships. I'm never going to find that gorgeous Christian guy. Is he really out there? Or that beautiful Christian girl? Or or am I ever going to have kids? Or fear. This fear that crowds in. That's not the Lord. The Lord wants faith. That if he's on your life, it's going to be okay. You can have a confidence. He's for you, not against you. The people who fear are not us. The people who don't know Christ, according to the Bible, who should be fearing. Listen to this. This is gentle Jesus, meek and mild talking. In Luke chapter 12, I tell you, friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And after that can do no more. I'll show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body's been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. There needs to be a bit more fear of hell in our nation. A bit more fear of hell in the church. We need to wake up. People are heading for a lost eternity. And we have the answer. At Michael's wedding, I got to talking to a member of his family, lovely Irish guy who's boxing promoter, doing really well, he's telling me about all his tens of thousands of Twitter followers. And he's like, I don't need your Jesus. I've got the Catholic religion. I don't need to convert to Christianity. That's what he said. I'm like, what did you just say? <laughs> Explain that to me. And he said, oh, but I'm, I'm, happy, I'm a happy man. And I, I thought, how dangerous is your position? That you think religion's going to be enough, success is going to be enough, happiness is going to be enough. You're lost for all eternity without Christ. And don't we need to wake up to it? We're not the people who need to be fearful, but we need to be fearful for those who are lost. The fourth thing, according to Isaiah 35, that only Jesus can do. And sick people will become well. Listen to this. Then the eyes of the blind will be open and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer and the mute tongue will shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Ever heard that one before? Yes, we want a salvation river, don't we? We're a salvation people first and foremost. But we want a healing river too. And Jesus can make sick people well. We must keep on praying for the sick. Day in, day out. Keep believing. Keep asking, keep on asking, even when we don't see the full measure. And I've been really spoken to about this even in the last month. I've told some of you, I think, that this lovely thing happened with Michelle two years after that horrible accident in Bangkok where a group of leaders texted me in South Africa and said, we're praying for you and Michelle. And Anthony said, Delaney said, we're praying for the last 10% of that healing. You know, because it's a miracle Michelle's where she is. But there was still 10% that she knew and nobody else would know. You know, just stuff that's there from having a, a, a knock like that in your brain. You know, memory stuff and multitasking stuff and things that you would never know, but I would know and especially Michelle would know. 
So I didn't tell her that, which I'm stupid at. I should have told her that, but I didn't tell her that. But a couple of weeks ago, Michelle just said to me, you know what? I feel normal. I feel back to myself. And it's like the last 10% had come. Two years after the big miracle of saving a life, the Lord came through with a full measure of that healing on her mind. We need to ask and keep on asking, don't we? Because healing rivers will flow. And if we're seeing a trickle of healing, let's believe for a river. Let's not stop praying for Katie. We're glad she's making progress, but we want so much more, don't we? Let's keep on praying for Valerie, Christian's mum. Let's keep on believing for Victoria. We don't see the full measure. Let's not give up. Interestingly, in this Isaiah passage, where it says, the eyes of the blind will be opened. The miracle, apparently, of opening the eyes of the blind was reserved for the Messiah. You don't find the prophets opening the eyes of the blind. It was a a picture of the Messiah. And it's fascinating to me, anyway, that Isaiah 61 which is Jesus' mandate for his ministry, comes out of the desert in the power of the Spirit and reads those verses. The the Spirit of the Lord is on me, has anointed me to, and he lists all the things that are in Isaiah. Preach good news to the poor, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim freedom for the captives, release from darkness for prisoners. And he adds, because Jesus is allowed to, because he wrote the book in the first place. We're not allowed to do it. He can. He adds, And recovery of sight for the blind. Why? Because he's the Messiah. Because he can do this. There's some things that only Jesus can do. One of them is open the eyes of the blind. And uh, Alan Morton was telling us about uh, a child in our church that was going blind and they had exactly the same experience. Every time they had a big time of prayer, the sight would get slightly better. Not the full measure not fully restored, but every time they prayed, sometimes we just have to knock and keep on knocking, don't we? And keep believing. Because only Jesus can open the eyes of the blind, but he loves to do it. And every miracle of Jesus was a double miracle. It was a healing, but it was also a fulfillment of prophecy. Every time we see a miracle... Every time we see sick people becoming well, there's a double blessing. Yes, there's a blessing for that person, but there's a fulfillment of prophecy. When Jesus said, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. He was a river in the desert of sickness and suffering. And so are we. Do we want to see that river flow? Come on, Lord. The fifth thing from Isaiah 35 is thirsty people will become satisfied people. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs, in the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. There's only one qualification this morning to receive life-giving water from Jesus. You know what it is? Just be thirsty. Be thirsty for his presence. Be thirsty for his power. Thirst is one of the most uh, strongest desires. I love Isaiah 55, where the Lord says, Come, come to the waters. Come, it's a divine invitation. It was a picture of a, a, a water carrier walking into desperately dry desert places with a big leather water carrier over his sack. In the old, in the King James Version, it says, Ho, 
This is just for James, the King James Version this morning. Ho, everyone who's thirsty. And the water carrier would come into the village. Ho, 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 anyone thirsty? And they would come and give him a few shekels. The Lord in Isaiah 55 says, Ho, anyone thirsty? Come, buy without money, without price. It's free. The only qualification is just be thirsty. Thirsty people will be satisfied. Come to the waters, the Lord says. If you're thirsty, come to me. The reason you're thirsty, most of you, is because you're not coming to me. Because I've got plenty of life-giving water to pour into your soul to change everything. And then finally, in this Easter week, the final thing that only Jesus can do, and six, is sinful people become holy people. This is the road you're on. Because you know Jesus. This is the road I'm on. I shouldn't be on it. I don't deserve to be on it. But Jesus has made a way. Listen to these verses. Tell me if this is not awesome. A highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there. But only the redeemed will walk there. And those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. Sorrow and sighing will flee away. I don't know what your present's like. I tell you what your future is. If you know Jesus, it is that. Gladness and joy will overtake you. Sorrow and sighing will flee away. It can happen because of Easter. It's our story. It's our future. It's what happens in Derby Prison when an broken Irish traveller, repeat offender, surrenders his life to Jesus. Suddenly, a sinful person becomes a holy person and he's walking on a highway of holiness, sure and certain destination, heaven. That's the Easter story, isn't it? Because Jesus took on the judgment. Of course we deserve every judgment in the Old Testament. I deserved a lot. I'm a hopeless sinner. I'm a sinful man. I deserve the full wrath of God on my life because I rebelled against him in thought and thought and attitude and desire. But that is not my future. Because Jesus took the full measure of all that judgment, all that wrath on himself on the cross. How can we keep that to ourselves, people? Everywhere we look, sinful people can become holy people. Made right and acceptable to God. And on a highway of holiness. And heading towards a destination where gladness and joy will overtake them. Where sorrow and sighing will flee away. What a gospel, hey? Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out message.org.uk to find out how you can support or even get involved with one of our teams. 